Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. This is a pitchers and catchers edition. The Phillies are reporting to spring trading this Wednesday as we're recording this on Tuesday. You might be listening on the day of. The pitchers and catchers are in clear water, Florida, and there will be a baseball season. My name is Frank Close. I'm along with Jeff Mosher. What's up, Jeff? Hey, what's going on? Frankie, uh, pitchers and catchers report, but uh, we got snow on the ground, snow coming, snow in the forecast every single day. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels warmer, right? You know, now that I know that Clearwater is in my near future, right, that it's going to be a thing, <laughs> I'm going to be there. Okay. And actually, I got really lucky this year because my place in Florida, I had a year-round renter. They just mm-hmm. moved out. They're, they're going to move out this month. So now I get to have my whole house for all of March. So I'm going. I'll be there. There's going to be some Florida sun, and the Phillies will be there. I don't know how much uh, access I'll actually have this year, but but I'm going. I'm going to be in Florida. I need it. <laughs> well, the so, only the only the only clear water I'm going to be seeing is the uh, snow melting <laughs> down my driveway <laughs> when it gets to be about 45 degrees. Well, what the listeners may not know is that that uh, the last night that we recorded a podcast, I had taken a COVID test earlier that day, and I had COVID, and so here we are three weeks later. And I'm going to use this, uh, the antibodies I gained from this experience to just go to Florida because <laughs> I earned it, damn it. <laughs> right? There you go. That's like, it's, now it's like a merit badge. You got it. Uh, so, so there's a lot to talk about, obviously, because uh, spring training is beginning. And, and kind of the big news today um, kind of slipped in. If you looked at the Phillies uh, release on Twitter, buried under the whole, the, the tiny names at the bottom of, of uh, some minor league invitees to spring training was none other than Odubel Herrera, who we have not really heard from. It's really almost two years at this point, right? So, so after Mm -hmm. his arrest on Memorial day weekend in 2019, uh, ultimately was, was acquitted of the the legal charges, but yet the major league investigation concluded that he was worthy of a suspension. So didn't see in the rest of 2019 last year, he was hanging out at minor league camp kind of quietly and with the season canceled at the minor league level, we didn't see him play at all. So Odubel Herrera is going to be back in Philly spring training. Now, uh, there is one little caveat that we should talk about is, um, and I think it's a matter of numbers, Jeff, that uh, due to COVID protocols, you're not putting as many people into the locker room at, at, at the Philly spring training ballpark uh, facilities because it's mm-hmm. – the name spectrum field seems to be gone, uh, but, um, but he will be in an alternate uh, looks like an alternate camp with some of the major league invitees, uh, minor league invitees, excuse me. And, uh, but he's going to get a chance to play. I mean, they can grab guys from there to play in games. So first, why don't we, before we talk about the baseball impact of this, but for, first and foremost, what do you think of him being back at all? Well, I'm a little bit surprised, but then I shouldn't be because, that he's been on the roster for two years now. They never really made the kind of move of releasing him or trading him or anything like that. They always, they, I, I believe when everything went down, they kind of issued a statement to, and then that was it. They really didn't talk about it too much after that. If I can remember, as you, as you said, it's been almost two years. So it's uh jogs the memory a little bit. So I'm, I guess I'm not surprised because they never made, a transaction that would get rid of him. Uh, I know that a lot of people would like to move on from, from him and they feel that the Phillies should have done that already. I don't disagree with them. I am not, um, you know, if you're not offended by what he did, then you're almost not a human being. 
But I will say this. This is this is my feeling when it happened, and it's my feeling now. The way it works in sports in these incidences, and we've seen this in, in pretty much every single sport, whether it's uh, domestic violence or assault, however you want to categorize it, um, the player always winds up, if he's good enough, going somewhere else. The team gets rid of him, right? And then he goes and finds a job somewhere else and tries to make his comeback story. And my theory has always been, why do that? Why get rid of a player and then let him make his quote-unquote comeback or amends if he makes his amends, which he has to make, uh, with another team? If you have the ability to have him do that underneath your own umbrella. He was, an, he, he was a Phillies employee when it happened, and he's still a Phillies employee. And if he has made his amends and, and done what – and there was never a court case, right, because his – yeah, well, he, he, never he, did, he was charged. He, he, there were there, there were charges, but uh, uh-huh. uh, he was acquitted of that in court. So, he was acquitted. So he was not. Right? He was not convicted in court. Right. Like this happened with Jose Reyes of the Mets quite a while ago, and then I believe they did get rid of him, um, and then he came back. You know, he, he wound up becoming a Met again. So, did it make it better that he was with the Rockies in between? Did it make it any less reprehensible what he did? No, absolutely not. And so. I understand. And I'm fine with anybody who says, nope, I never want to see him in a Phillies uniform again. Okay. But the reality is he's going to play for somebody. And if he winds up becoming a better human being for this and making amends and doing the right things, then I think it's better that he does that in a Phillies uniform than somewhere else. But that's just my, my, my personal, I don't want to say ambivalent feel. I'm not ambivalent at all. I think what he did was reprehensible, but I know he's going to wind up, playing in a uniform somewhere in the major leagues. And so if you have the ability to rehab this guy and maybe that's already been done, it's been two years, maybe he's, you know, turned himself around. I have no idea. It's impossible to know, but you know, if he's going to play in the majors, why, why does he have to go somewhere else to become a better person? Or so let me, make, or, or so let me ask you this. So I think the re- the only reason why he's still a Philly, I think that the, the, the careful, line or that they that the Phillies have to toe and shred is is that you know they're not allowed to have a double punishment so they kind of consider to release more punishment than the suspension that was handed down from major league baseball so that kind of put the right. Phillies in a predicament but what I don't understand is if you're a Dubal Herrera's agent and last year you were going to be in, in minor league camp I don't know and this could have happened and, and the Phillies said no but it seems to me if his agent had said hey listen would you be would you consider releasing my client because um, I don't think it's a good idea that he continues here and then maybe you feel the same way and then that you know if it's their request there they might have been able to release him and somebody else take him but um, maybe that never happened that, that kind of surprises me. Well, was he on the forty man roster last year? He was not. So he was not. So they so were able been... to designate him for assignment. Now, right. um, they had to tread very carefully for that and claim it was for baseball reasons. They had to say, well, we have Adam Hastley and we have uh, Roman Quinn, Quinn yeah. and, and we have Mickey Moniak in the wings. Right. Which is kind of still all there right now. Uh, but um, but but by designating him, another team could have claimed him and paid his whole salary. But of course, that wasn't going to happen. So. Um, right. So they were at least able to, 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 to open up that 40 man roster spot last year. Uh, yeah. But, um, but I'm really surprised though, that, that, that his agent didn't ask for a release at this point. I I'm, I agree with you. And I, I don't know what's behind that because that is normally the standard procedure. You want to get your client 
employed, and I have a feeling if he was released, somebody would have probably taken a um, a chance on him. He's he's a decent enough player. I mean, he's a very streaky player, a frustratingly streaky player, but he's still a pretty decent player. Uh, at very least, could be your your fourth outfielder. So, um, I just think that the 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 issue here for the Phillies is. Is he going to make the team? I mean, uh, are you going to have the uh, you know the fan base turn against the team because of this? I I, I don't know. I, I I really there's different rules for what different guys are allowed to get away with. You know, I mean, certainly, and I'm not saying that's right, but certainly like superstars get more leeway when it comes to off the field stuff than guys like Odubel Herrera who are good but not but but certainly replaceable. And he was so, struggling actually regard, when it happened. I mean, I think he if, was. He was, if he was all star Odubel Herrera like he had been in previous years, then maybe that maybe we're thinking this differently, or maybe other people are thinking about this differently. Uh, right. But but let's talk about then. You know, if if he's actually in camp, so let, let's just kind of run down the list of of who his competition is. So Adam Hastley's back, left handed center fielder. Roman mm-hmm. Quinn is back, switch hitting center fielder. Scott Kingery is there, no infield position to start at, and in, con- in, in consideration to get some right-handed at-bats in center field. Beyond that is Mickey Moniak, who had a cup of coffee last year and is probably soon on the depth chart. Uh, the Phillies just signed um, Travis Jankowski, who is a left-handed uh, major league veteran who they signed to a minor league deal who plays center field. <laughs> so, uh, like, is there any scenario that you see that Herrera could somehow, even in spring, get enough playing time in even these spring games. If they let's say they even bring him over for some games, will he will he be able to play enough to say that he needs to jump all of those guys? No, he's got too many people ahead of him. I mean, really, I, I mean, I really don't know who the center fielder is going to be. Uh, I mean, if it's if Scott Kingery is hitting decently and and playing like a pretty good ball player then you have to think that he's going to get most of the time in center. And, you know, then you've got Roman Quinn and Adam Hazley to figure out. There's always injuries, but that's three guys alone that can just play center field. All of them could fill in at right or left if need be. You know, Harper, McCutcheon. So they've got one, two, three, four. I mean, five guys that you can consider in the outfield even before you get to Odubo Herrera. I, just I guess the question is what, what happens if he starts, you know, if he's hitting like 600 in training camp and, and looking good, then do you try to trade him? Yeah, but here's know. the thing, you know what? So I doubt they will start him at games. I, you know, I, I feel like if this was other years, so just to, just to sort of run down what, what's, what happened to spring training and the spring training schedule, they sort of like made, redid the schedule. So the teams are playing near other teams nearby. So in other words, the Phillies won't be taking any long bus trips to Fort Myers to play the Twins or the Red Sox. Are they? Every once in a while, they'll jump across the state to play one of the teams on the East Coast and stuff like that. They don't even go to Port, Yeah, they don't <laughs> even go to Port Charlotte. They don't go to Northport where the Braves are now. They're right. just playing the Blue Jays. They're playing the Yankees. They're playing the Tigers. They're playing, and mm-hmm. then just south of there, you have Sarasota and Bradenton to play the Orioles and the and the and the Pirates. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, it used to be then. In an old schedule, you might say, "Okay, Herrera, you're going on this Fort Myers trip." You know, you might they, they would they would go down, uh, they take a bus down, and then and most guys would spend the night. They'd play 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 the Twins the one day, and then the Red Sox the next day, and they'd mm-hmm. come back. Most veterans did not do that, but there's not even a trip like that to send them this time. So, 
So with all those other guys, if he comes in in the eighth inning and gets a couple hits off of some other team's double-A uh, pitcher, does that really tell you anything? So if he does hit 600, like I, like, I just don't see the path to him actually getting enough playing time against meaningful opponents for him to prove anything. So the reality is what they're doing is they're going to go through the motions here. He's going to have a whatever kind of spring training, and then he's not going to make the big club, and they'll probably release him at the end of spring training. Well, again, can they do that? Can they, can they say, look, you didn't do much this spring, and then we release you? Or are they still going to consider that punishment? I mean, like a, no. I mean, are we far enough away from that that they could release yeah. him at the end of spring training and say, hey, listen, buddy, go find, find something for yourself? But that and, and that's a guideline, by the way, that the MLB serves a suspension so that the team doesn't really have to assume that responsibility and call it double jeopardy. But that doesn't mean the team has to employ that player by any stretch of the means. Now, would would there they be subject to a grievance? Perhaps. I don't think the Phillies are going to lose a grievance. They kept them on the, the team for two years now, as you mentioned, as we talked about. So they, they've kept them on the team for two years and they've added enough bodies at center field to say that he's just not worthy of making the 53 and we want to clear spots in my younger prospects. I'm sorry. 53. I know you have your inside the birds background behind you, man, but geez, by the way, everybody 20, listened to inside the birds, 40 man. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, he's not going to be on the big club roster and we've got young guys we want to have in the minors. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think Herrera can win any grievance here. So, yeah, so, so I feel so, like, the, yeah. So, so let me bring you to my theory. Right. This is my theory, because I know a lot, I have seen on Twitter. A lot of people are upset he's involved in this in any way. I feel like if they brought him in, they could say, oh, didn't make it. Now they can justify the release. So what, you know, how are you going to prove that that's that's some sort of punitive measure at this point? Right. So I, I think in a way, bringing him here gives the Phillies an out. What do you think about that? As opposed to just cutting ties beforehand. Yeah. So, I mean, like, is there, I think at that point, if they brought him in and he just can't show them enough or they couldn't find enough playing time because of all the other guys, now that they have a legit excuse, they don't have to worry about it when they release him. I don't know if there's a right answer here, Frank. I mean, I I certainly know there's no wrong answer as far as releasing him, getting rid of him. That that's fine. You know, if for a lot of people and you know, you can throw me in that. If if I don't have to see Odubel Horror play for the Phillies again, I'm good with that. And not because he's a streaky player, but because of, what happened to him. I just know that we're going to wind up seeing him again in a baseball uniform. He's talented enough to do that. So, um, but they've clearly moved on. They've got the, they've got enough guys that can play center field. And I do think that this is all part of the procedure that they probably have hatched out for a while now. I mean, what do you think if, if he, if he was on the, the big club or if he's getting at significant at bats, even in spring training for major leaguers, are you disappointed by that? Are you disappointed by the fact that he's still with the team, or do you, do you feel like that's still part of the? Protocol? I, I think I I think I think if if COVID didn't happen last year, this might have ended already. Actually, but, that's probably very true. You know, but I I think I think that yeah, my theory is that they're bringing in, bringing him in so that they can justify letting him go. I think that's what's going to happen. But I th- in fact I I'll say this: I think we spent too much time talking about Odubel Herrera. Let's let's Definitely. get to some of the issues that we were going to talk about before this happened today. And there's there is a lot to talk about. So so in the last few weeks, while we, we haven't had a show while I was battling COVID, Phillies re-signed Didi Gregorius. Right. So kind of played out like I suggested. Right. So the two year deal is what is what yep. did it. 
And I said to you last time, you know, you can't you can't really justify that he deserved to pay decrease. <laughs> so so I thought he would get a little bit more than the 14 million he made last year. But that's what he gets. Two years, 14 million per year. What do you think of that signing? Well, I thought it was great. And what we talked about at the time was that he did not deserve a pay cut at all because he had a good year. But that we also noticed there wasn't a market for him. I mean, he it was down to really the last decent shortstop on the market who is going to, you know, impact shortstop. And next year is a year where like all the good shortstops are going to be free agents. So there just wasn't a lot of people running to pay shortstop big time money this year. So how do you give him his market value without giving him a pay cut? Well, they didn't figure exactly that. They just gave him the same salary and he took it. Actually, one thing about this that that's, that's kind of helpful. Now I think, this year, and, and it's a shame that this announcement today kind of overshadowed Bryson Stott's invitation to spring training, but Bryson Stott is their top uh, shortstop prospect, top infield prospect. Um, there's mm-hmm. a chance he ends up at another position, but I think this this move takes a lot of the pressure off where a year from now, if you think uh, Bryson Stott is good enough at shortstop and he needs to be promoted, well, maybe you have a trade piece now with Didi. Uh, yeah. Or if, if Bryson Stott doesn't cut it at shortstop, you're you're still covered. You're not. I feel like old Philly's thinking was like, oh, wait, this is my guy. This is where he slotted in. And when he arrives, we, you know, we have to be ready to leave it open for him. But I, I like that there's some overlap here because um, you have an asset. And the Phillies have never seemed to be able to have anybody to trade to clear the path for somebody else. Right. You know, you always have to wait for the one thing to be over before the next thing to happen. Right. You know, right. Chase Utley stayed forever. Then finally, Cesar Hernandez was your second baseman. And only when Cesar is gone, well, now we can talk about Scott Kingery. Although, you know, of course, we could talk about why um, that didn't work. So so uh, so this gives the Phillies some options going forward, which is which is pretty nice, you know, and then their infielders. Um, now, there, it looks like there's <laughs> I assume if we know that we don't know there's a DH by now that there's not going to be a DH. Uh, what a mess that is, by the way. I mean, <laughs> what an absolute mess baseball. Rob Manfred is terrible. I mean, how do you not, these teams have prepared all off season thinking maybe there would be a DH, but not, I don't know. I mean, how well, that helps the that? Phillies. Cause the Mets have like four DHs on their, uh, in their defense. And so, yeah, they do. I don't know. I don't know how that, how that's going to play out. And if they had Robinson Cano still, they'd have an extra DH. Uh, yeah. but, uh, um, but you know, the, the Phillies have an abundance in the infield. They have Bohm. They have uh, Segura's under contract for one more year after this one. Now, Don Gregorius and, and Hoskins, uh, you know, and certainly Hoskins could be your DH if you slide uh, Alec Bohm over to first, or and you could put Segura at third and, and Kingery's still around. The, 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 they have a lot of options. And I, and I really like that for once, they seem to have a lot of options. And and I think one thing that happened last year that, that kind of hurt the Phillies, their offense was very good if you look at the 60, 60 games as a whole. But sometimes the Vets didn't get enough rest and got a little banged up. Now, Jay Bruce is now in, uh, with the uh, New York Yankees. But the Phillies, and here's an important name to bring into this infield mix, and he's a good name, and he's also part of the outfield mix. But the Phillies appear ready to announce the signing of Brad Miller, a uh, former Philly uh, utility player. And uh, I know last year and when he bamboo, left and bamboo specialist, bamboo specialist, <laughs> but you know, when, when he was not re-signed last year, some fans were kind of upset, but I, th- I think this is a really good move because you can play him in left field uh, when uh, Andrew McCutcheon needs a day off. Right. I think that, I think they kind of expect that Andrew McCutcheon's going to need some days. He, you know, even if you think his, uh, his, his, his ACL is kind of back to normal. Um, but but he can play infield too. I mean, this is this is a very valuable bench piece 
And on top of that, he can hit left-handed. So you've got really your only two lefties in the regular lineup are, are DD, which is one reason why you really need a DD and uh, Bryce Harper. So um, this gives them a, a really good option. What are your thoughts on the Brad Miller signing? Is this, I mean, this is a utility infielder essentially, but they're paying him. It looks like over 3 million bucks. So they've kind of made a pretty good investment in him. What do you think? Yeah, no, I thought he was a formidable player when he was here the first time around. And uh, we joke about the bamboo plant thing, but he, he I, I like the versatility. More teams have these kind of guys, these uh, versatile infielder slash outfielder types that, that really come in handy off the bench because of, you know, you can kind of plug and play him anywhere and you need that now uh, in the big leagues. So I, th- I thought it was a good signing. I was a little surprised about the, the price tag because I guess that guarantees his spot uh, on the, on the team. And, um, you know, I don't remember what kind of year he had last year. Who was he with? He was with St. Louis. And he, he was okay. Louis. I mean, he had, he was his okay, OPS right? was yeah. high. He had a lot of, he, he had a decent amount of power. So he, right. and, and on base, uh, he hit, I think he hit like 252 or 262, something along those lines. But, but right. uh, his OPS was, was still very, very strong. So, um, right. so, so yeah. So, so but I they think didn't really, they, they missed this last year, right? Because the guys that they were bringing in off the bench last year were like a Jay Bruce, who really is an outfielder. He can play you some first base, but I wouldn't quite call that versatile. Um, or, or Neil uh, Walker, who was going to play the infield. Mostly, you know, first base, second base. I mean, that he's not going to Miller can pretty much move around in a lot of different positions. And I think that they need that. And he can hit. That's the other thing. And, too, and right? he can so, hit. Yes. I mean, and I as you mentioned, Bruce, yeah. the Jay Bruce thing, he was just I, I feel like, uh, the, you know, the, the fact that he got banged up was because he was in the field. I mean, I think that's literally what what led to a lot of his injuries. And so, by the way, uh, great signing for the Yankees. First of all, he's only 33. It feels like Jay Bruce is 50 years old. You know why? I he think he's on, only 33. He, he played in that Roy Halladay postseason no hitter, right? So uh, he yes. was on that 2010 Reds. That's why it feels like it was forever ago. But anyway, continue. it does. It does. But no, so but I think Yankees, that that's huh? such a great signing for the Yankees. Uh, they need more left-handed bats, left-handers rake there. He won't have to play the field much. He'll play, you know, a couple of times a week. He'll hit a bunch of home runs even in limited time. It's just such a vintage Yankees signing that's going to work out. It's a, it's a really good signing for the Yankees. And he was good for the Phillies. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, but, you know, without the DH, I don't see the, the path for him there. I mean, I, I don't think you could put – I don't think you could – you could. And what kind of hurt them was both Bruce and Andrew McCutcheon in the outfield last year because because of the injuries they've had. And, 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 and you know, right. uh, even though he's still that young, it's kind of old in baseball years for Jay Bruce uh, a little bit, right? So – <laughs> mm-hmm. no, that's why um, but, uh, it's perfect to come off the bench in that in that short ball, uh, short porch there in Yankee Stadium. He'll rake. But you feel a lot better about about the the whole roster offensively because you know your your bench is probably going to be uh, you know of course Kingery and and Miller if they're your backup infielders uh, they're also part of the outfield mix. But then you also have room for for uh, Roman Quinn or Adam Hastley if one of them is starting. Uh, and then there's still room for one more. Uh, Phillies brought veteran Matt Joyce into uh, camp as a non-roster invitee. Uh, he's somebody who, who's played pretty well in the National League East the last couple of years with the Marlins and the Braves and has a pretty good shot, I think, to make this this Phillies roster. Um, but, um, you know, when you look at the at the whole of it, you really don't feel like there's like a, a wasted roster spot. You know, and and uh I think, it, I think, yeah. you know, I think we're going to see this year because last year we didn't really get to see it because of COVID, but having that 26 player is going to make a world of difference for teams because teams had been up to 13 pitchers and their benches were so short. I mean, remember how often we saw Andrew Knapp pinch hit in the bottom of the ninth oh. inning against the closer, you know, I, and I think, you know what, 
and I, by the way, I'm just throwing this out there because uh, I know a lot of people didn't like Andrew Knapp, but he did very, very well last year when he sure did he not did. have to fill that pinch hitting role. Right. Is that fair to I say? Agree. Yeah. You know, so, he was I mean, fine I think last year he was the I, least of their problems last year. I think, I think he's a very good backup for, um, for JT real Muto. And uh, the Phillies also added today, Jeff Mathis, a veteran catcher who is known for his defensive prowess. He, he's old. He's almost my age. Uh, I was but say, uh, he's been around forever, <laughs> man. I remember he, he came up with the Orioles. Was it? I think or the Rangers. Angels. Was it, oh, maybe it was the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, I, I remember him with the Rangers and Angels. I know, like he and uh, actually, maybe he split time with the Rangers. Yeah, he and what, Mike Napoli. Did they used to split time? I don't even remember now. Like it's it's oh, it's, uh, it's it goes. <laughs> you're right. He goes way way back. I think that was the catching duo in Texas. But but anyway, veteran guy like that, you know, if if you can stash him at AAA, and I don't know if I want to go to AAA, but um, but that's a pretty good backup. And um, Christian Bethencourt. You didn't see him last year. Uh, I believe he was out for COVID reasons and he just never made it back. He's also stashed away. So I think they right. have some nice depth and, and Raphael Marchand, uh, he's on the 40 man. He'll still be sticking around and, um, and stuff like that. So there'll, so there'll be a, uh, there'll be a nice offense this year. And, and I think, uh, I think we're going to hear the Brad Miller signing on Wednesday. And I think the only reason why we haven't heard it yet officially is because they're going to wait until Sir Anthony Dominguez is put on the 60 day IL. So they have yeah. a roster spot. So, so have so faith off- it's coming. Yeah. 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 We're not going to see. Oh, I, I knew that, you know, we yeah. should be seeing him because they should have had the, the elbow surgery a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. That's the whole thing we can go off on. Offensively. I don't see any reason why, you know, I, look, here's the thing last year. A lot of people will tell you, don't, don't put stock into everything you saw last year. You know, it's a short season. Some players that had terrible years, like Aliriano, did not play very well. I know the Mets are expecting him to rebound and have more of a year like he did two years ago. Lindor. And, oh, my gosh. You know, I'm I thought, sorry. God, MLB, said Liriano, Lindor. Fr- Francisco Liriano was a kid. With the, you know what? The MLB, don't feel bad. MLB trade rumors actually referred to Lindor as Liriano the other day <laughs> as well, I noticed. And I was like, what's this about the Mets and Liriano? Yeah, uh, Lindor. Crazy. But yeah, <laughs> Lindor. Right, right. I can't. Man, I'm going right. to hit myself. No, if MLB trade rumors did it, then you're off the hook. Then I am not right. They didn't, MLB trade rumors did not call it a 53 man roster. No, though. they did not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you're rusty, Jeff. Um, well, it's my but, fault. But, but we didn't the, have a show. I know, right? So so I'll <laughs> shake the cobwebs off. The The Phillies had, I believe, a, to, a top three offense as far as runs scored last year. If not top three, I know it was top five. They were very high in, in OBS and batting average and all the major offensive categories and they're pretty much bringing everyone back you know they brought yep. dd brack they brought uh jt real muto back we'll have to see what happens with reese hoskins i know he's coming back from the uh ucl surgery but hey, at least like they have depth think... now right i mean if you, if you have brad yes. miller hanging around and scott kingery hanging around you can put together yeah. a formidable infield while he's out so i mean that's, yeah that's, plus that's you a, got bonus McCutcheon... alec Holmes slides over to first yeah yeah, absolutely. And McCutcheon is now a year, more than a year removed from the comeback. So you got to think he'll be in a groove a little bit quicker. Bryce, I mean, I, I like what they've got offensively here. The, and the, the big, obviously, the big question will be, can the bullpen rescue them? And I think the other question is this, like, because I think that people think this, uh, Frank, they think that if the bullpen is just like 20% better than last year, <laughs> well, then the Phillies would be then five to seven games over 500 this year, but it doesn't work that way. Not everything is static, right? Cause yeah. the Mets got better. The Braves got pretty good. Uh, the, still pretty good. Um, the nationals I thought had a pretty nice off season. So this division is a pretty good division now. So there's, there, I mean, I don't know that just a better bullpen, which I'm not even sure they have yet. 
well, um, let's, is let's, going to automatically <laughs> work in their favor. Well, let's talk about that. So um, in terms of the back-end arms, so your favorite Hector Neris is back. By the way, I think I saw something. I did see a stat this week, and I thought of Jeff Mosher right away. Like, I think he faced like 27 batters without giving up a home run. So um, that was the big worry, right? You know, that they came last the, year. Last year, yeah. He didn't give up any home runs last well, I year? I think it was 20. I think the stat was he went 27 batters without giving up a home run. I think that's what it was. So, well, can, but, I, can I actually say that's, that's a damning stat on him? Because, A, everybody hits home runs these days, right? I mean, uh, the, but he was one of the top few. But that means he's walking and giving up a lot of doubles. He's giving up hard hit balls to the gap to have an ERA that big and not give up home runs means you're getting knocked around. Oh, excuse me. I, I had that wrong. It was actually, no, he did not give up a single home run all season. Wow. I actually think that's more incriminating. I know, Sometimes that's what it was. It was 27 hanging. strikeouts without giving up a home run. That's, that's what that was the stat I saw. So he so, struck out 27 batters and did not give up any home runs. Not give up a single home run. He walked 13. And his ERA was what now again? His ERA last year was 457. Now you have a four, five, seven ERA, and you haven't given up any home runs. That means the guys are just running to the bat rack to hit doubles and triples <laughs> off of you, and get and get walked. That's incriminating. Well, <laughs> well anyway, um, he's back. <laughs> but then the, there's there's really two additions. So the first one was on a major league deal, Archie Bradley. Right, we did talk yep. about him a little bit last time. But the, I think the intriguing name right now is Brandon Kinsler. Uh, yeah, it seems like he so. The story is he took uh, he took a minor league deal with the Phillies. There's probably some backdoor handshake ag- agreement that they'll add him to the roster later, right? I think I mean I I've seen that burn players in the past, but if, if you know, um, but the story is Bryce Harper helped recruit his old teammate, and uh, he took uh, the risk because the Phillies offered a little bit more money than the Marlins. And uh, I saw Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic tweet out that. Kinsler was the best reliever on his team each of the last two years. Mm. And uh, now he's a Philly. So he did, he did pitch very well for the Marlins last year, who I was actually really shocked. They, they, they decided not to pick up his $4 million option, which, which he'll make close to that with the Phillies, it looks like. But, uh, but yeah, the Marlins did not you know, remember the beginning of the offseason. It seemed like none of these guys were going to get paid. And actually, actually, Brad Hand, he could have been claimed. And yet... <laughs> He ends up getting That's more right. money than than if, if he had just been claimed. Uh, right. So I think in the beginning of the offseason, not not a lot of people knew what was going to happen. But uh, but Kinsler, Bradley, those are two formidable arms in your bullpen. Do you feel better just knowing that you have the two of them? I mean, moderately better. Uh, the thing about Kinsler and the thing about Bradley is they feel like Phillies relievers because they've had some success and some failures elsewhere. You know, they're both former closer. I think uh, Bradley was a closer. Bradley a was years last ago, was uh, last year before he got traded to the Reds. That was kind of his right. first closer stint. Right, right. So he was a setup man. Then he was a closer for a little bit. Kinsler was uh, a closer in Miami until you knew he was going to lose the job, which everybody does. And for except for like five or six closers who wind up having some kind of long term success in the majors. So, like, do I feel better? I don't know. I guess. I think most fans are going to say, or, or an observer is going to be like, yeah, I know these names. These are, these are guys I've seen pitch before. Right. But that's the way we felt about Brandon David Workman Phelps. or Heath, <laughs> David Phelps or Heath Embry. I mean, I, look, I know it can't be as bad as it was last year. I know that, but I also think it doesn't mean it's going to be very good either. And none of these guys are, are established, have had five, six, seven really good years. You know, like when they signed David Robertson a couple of years ago, 
I God bless him for trying. I mean, he he had no career tr- uh, record of a lot of injuries or anything like that to make you think he was going to completely go down. The only thing was he was older. Yeah, he but he like was he a was very good. Right, he was a good close. He had been a good closer. He had been a good setup man in different places, different divisions. Like he had proven everything. So the signing made sense, and you felt a sense of security about it. Here, I look at these names and I say, okay, I know them, but I don't trust any of them. If that's being fair, I, I just so, don't. <laughs> so I think then the the our discussion about the starting rotation is going to play into this because. Right now, the Phillies essentially have seven starting candidates that are all pretty much ready to be on the roster. So, mm-hmm. so Chase Anderson, Matt Moore. And by the way, Matt Moore and Matt Joyce, I, I, for years, when they were both on the Rays, I called them one the other constantly. <laughs> so I'm going to mess up Matt Moore and Matt Joyce this year a lot. Uh, but uh, So they have uh, Chase Anderson, and I'm probably going to call him Brett Anderson because Brett Anderson pitched for the uh, Brewers too. Yes. So I'm going to mess his name up. But Chase Anderson, Matt Moore, I think I got that right, are added to the, the mix that has, of course, Nola, Wheeler, Eflin, right? That's They're kind of established. And then beyond that, you also have Vince Velasquez and Spencer Howard. So, um, so that's going to be seven candidates for this rotation. And I kind of feel like whoever does it, I mean, they're paying three of them, like at least four million, three, four million bucks. So the ones that don't make it are going to end up in this bullpen. So right. does that make you feel better? Um, I mean, right now, my, my, I, I would kind of see Vince Velasquez starting the year in the bullpen. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, he, you know, they, they actually just let him be a reliever and learn to be a reliever. But, but with that, that contract, why would they have given him that contract? I, what was it, $5 million to be $4 a, million. A so so I, I, I thought they were going to non-tender him. And uh, they, I mean, the fact that you can get, you can get uh, Archie Bradley for six, you could get Brandon Kinsler for under four, these two starters and more and Anderson cost you three or four. So like, I'm, I'm surprised they spent that money on Vince Velasquez, but you know, I think, I think their thought was if he's an asset and we have him, it's better than not having an extra person. I don't know. But, um, but Spencer, how understand just... what his role is, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like right. he would be the most overpaid, long man in, in baseball <laughs> because he's not a closer. He's not a setup guy. Is he a right-handed specialist? He walks too many guys to bring, bring it in the yeah. sixth, seventh. I don't, I just don't understand it. Yeah. I would, I, I did. I, I, I really thought they would not tender him. I really did. And supposedly there was trade interest because they thought the Phillies would not tender him. And I don't know. Maybe the Phillies thought they could trade him. I don't know. Um, He'd be a perfect was... uh, Ray. Like he should, <laughs> he should, I'm serious. Pitch five innings and then turn it over to the bullpen. Not, four innings, even right? There you go. He'd be the perfect yeah. starter. Give this guy three innings and then let the he bullpen wouldn't be the starter. Him. He would come in after the opener, right? <laughs> but that's well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, but there's seven guys for five spots. So, um, I, I, I kind of like that Spencer Howard. There's no pressure on him to have to be the guy, although they're still very high on him. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's easy to get frustrated with what you saw from Spencer Howard last year because you know everybody expects your top prospect to burst on the scene and automatically give give them a dominant performance. I mean, it doesn't really work that way most of the time. But well, I uh, think uh, for Phillies, you know, fans they've expected the top prospect to come in and probably have to get worked over a little bit before, especially from the pitching uh, department. You know, I think that the more the reasonable expectation is, a guy is not going to light it up. But, but you know, they have options now, right? I mean, you know, I, the thing that really killed them down the stretch last year is they, they lose two or three starters at the end, and there's nobody to pitch. 
that nobody. Is they, they you know, I, I remember like sitting at my sitting at my desk with a spreadsheet with two weeks to go, trying to figure out who the hell's going to pitch <laughs> all these games. That is that fair. was even after Vince Velasquez got demoted. So you you had Adonis Medina pitch uh, pitch one. I mean, he's he'll be a Triple A at least, and maybe there's more depth in that regard. You know, nothing against yeah. Adonis Medina, but he wasn't ready, right? He didn't pitch in the minor league season. He they just kind of had to throw him up here because they had right. nobody. And all the bullpen right. games that they had, right? So, so you got to feel a lot better about this, and then you got to feel better knowing that that some guys in the bullpen might actually get squeezed out because there's going to be too many arms. I mean, uh, there there absolutely is going to be too many. I mean, that's a good problem to have, right? I, I guess there's too many, and competition will decide. But it's not like that they're loaded with so many guys that you have a lot of confidence in. That's that's the that's the issue. I mean, ultimately they're going to settle on a rotation of five, right? Or six? Uh, yeah, maybe five. You're right, five or six. By the way, let, push- let me, if, if you don't mind me asking you that now, while we're while I bring it up, you know, there there was some talk that the Phillies would go with a six man rotation, kind of with the idea that, and, and this is this is a, this is probably a real consideration for all the baseball. You know, uh, for a lot of pitchers, all the extra rest last year isn't good. You know, so if you think about the number of innings people throw. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, and, and this is an interesting stat, newly acquired Matt Moore pitched more in Japan, more innings than any major league starter in all of MLB last year. Right. So that's kind of telling. So like our, our, our major league pitchers going to be durable enough to get through this season. I mean, why wouldn't they though? The season format is going to be normal now, is it not? But you know, all the downtime last year, might they, you know, might their arms not be used to the workload? Will we see a bunch of injuries? Will it's a really good question. You know, I, I've heard it theorized also that the, the Rays, for example, are one of those teams that the short season was so perfect for how they're set up, but in a long season again, that they probably won't be as successful this coming year as last year because you do need starters. You need to have guys stretched out and be able to go, and you can't rely on bullpen that much over 160 games as opposed to half that. So, I do think that I agree with you that in today's game, you need, you need like eight starting pitchers and the ones who aren't in your starting five are, are relievers who can spot start. I, I, I think that's fair, but then that also pushes de- down the number of pure relievers that you have. And, and the, the best teams have really good pure relievers now. So who only pitch an inning or an inning or and a half or so. And so now I'm looking at, the Phillies, you know, who who have some names who I'm intrigued by. Um, and I wonder, you know, where do they fit in? Like, is Hector Neris – by the way, I know you think I'm picking on Hector Neris, but is he definitely making the team? Because if you've got your starting – Oh, five yeah, they're, pay, they're paying two, him $5 million bucks. He's $5 million. But then that's, again, the same thing with Velasquez. So you're telling me you're going to pay $10 million to two guys who are going to be – because he's not going to be the closer, correct, Neris? I mean, they, they're saying – Archie right, Bradley's going to get it. right now. The depth chart has Archie Bradley listed as closer, although they haven't really committed to that. Right. So don't you think Alvarado has got a good chance to be the, either a setup man or a left-handed specialist? Yeah, he'll probably be a left. So he's got a good ch- shot at being a lefty specialist. Yeah. And by the way, uh, I, know, I, I'm, I still think they don't, they could use another lefty in that pen, but uh, Jose Alvarez still unsigned by the way. You can't have Jose Alvarez and Jose Alvarado on the same <laughs> team. It's not going to work. Just telling you that now we're all going to get confused. Um, I mean, where does Connor Brogdon then fit in? And Jojo um, Ramiro, uh, uh, Romero's probably, Romero. he's probably on the team as a lefty. I mean, I, yeah, 
I mean, he looked, I mean, I'm really impressed with, with him last year out of the bullpen, but, uh, um, but again, he's a young guy. He's going to have his growing pains, you know, but you don't have a lot of depth in that regard. That's why I was thinking, having right, Alvarez now, around. Now, uh, now you're up to, to 15 or 16 arms here, Frank, right? Like yeah. You're talking about Nola Wheeler, Eflin, Anderson Moore as five starters with Velasquez and Howard kind of as two potential starters as well. That's seven. Bradley, eight. Alvarado, nine. Kinsler, if he makes it, ten. Uh, I'm putting Rangers Suarez somewhere in this mix because yeah, where does he, he go? That's a great point. He's kind of <laughs> he's kind of and and I admit I forgot too. You know he's kind of the forgotten man. I mean the poor guy had COVID last year. It really knocked us his season away from him. You know he right. was all set to be the fifth starter. You know I I uh, was you know on this show we, I, I I said he was the guy and uh, not not that he was uh, stellar in that role, but but he also had a lot of success in the bullpen the year before. So. I, yeah. I, I think I think that's one of the problems right now is that I think Kingery and, and Suarez, you kind of don't know what you have after COVID, you know, and right. uh, hopefully right. they've got I mean, the opportunity to recover. I mean, yeah, you got Hale. You still have David Hale who factors in <laughs> here, right? You've got Connor Brogdon. I, I don't know if I mentioned him or not. Uh, Maris. I mean, I just you're starting to get to like 14, 15. Now, look, some of these guys are not going to perform well, and maybe it's Kinsler or maybe Kinsler knocks somebody or maybe like, maybe Spencer um, Howard starts the year in the minors so that you can push push back his clock a little bit. Maybe you yeah. say, you know, because the minor league season doesn't open till later. Maybe he hangs out in spring training a little bit longer. Yeah, that's 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 very <laughs> that's. But look, I, I'm just knowing that I'm going in rooting for some of these young guys. I'm rooting for Alvarado to to really step up. I'm rooting for Ranger Suarez to come back strong. Rooting for Howard to actually pitch well enough. But that does force guys into some really odd spots like Neris and Velasquez they're high paid guys who you know I'm hope personally hoping don't have that much of an impact on this team but then I gotta that, that happens and I gotta criticize the team for misspending their money yeah yeah you make a very fair point especially with some of the prices down the stretch of this offseason that these guys were signing for I mean the fact that you can get Kinsler for in the threes um mm-hmm. yeah I'd rather have him than Velasquez Right. I mean, that's I think I think he has more value to a team because, you know, he's a he's a back end reliever and so right. he'll give you something predictable. But but uh, I wouldn't mind if some of these young guys, they were able to develop either. They're, they could they could start uh, Brogdon in the minor leagues and, you know, sure. same thing. Try to try to try to hold some of the young guys back a little bit. Romero doesn't need to make the team. You know, they do have minor league options. Um, right. So that might be how you make everybody fit. And then. I mean, let's face it, there will be injuries, right? So, I mean, part of the problem was you had no depth. And if, if uh, and I know, I know, uh, you know, you might want Romero and you might want Brogdon to, to make the team for out of the, out of the, out of the uh, shoot. But, you know, mm-hmm. and if you can have that depth, I mean, it's, if you release somebody else and then somebody gets hurt, well, then you're, you're as bad as you were last year, right? So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where some of these young guys like, like Howard, Romero, and Brogdon might get squeezed if the others are pitching pretty well as the season opens. What if, but if Howard pitches really well, you're going to want him in your, in your rotation. I mean, you just, you want that to happen. And if he forces say Matt Moore out, <laughs> then you got an all right-handed rotation. I mean, uh, all hand uh, right-handed yeah, rotation again. And that, that's, that's, but that's what the like, Phillies do the last four years. Right. I mean, <laughs> I know it makes no sense. I, I don't know, man, this pitching staff just continues to befuddle me. Speaking of lefties, Cole Hamels is still hanging out there. I wonder if he'll, I wonder if he's going to pitch for anybody this year. Well, I don't know. After the injuries that he went through last year, um, some some guys either that they they recognize that as their clock telling them it's time to go, and some don't want to go out like that. 
So we'll see. Hey, maybe somebody uh, is signed in June like they did uh, Pedro uh, Martinez back in 2009. <laughs> Try to squeeze a little bit a little bit out of him uh, you know, down the stretch if you need help, but I don't know. He, not a bad idea. You haven't seen any yet. You know, Roger Clemens did that back in the day. You haven't seen many people do that as of late, but uh Mm-hmm. Um, but just, 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 just a thought, but, uh, but yeah, there's still some players unsigned and, and stuff like that, but, uh, and, and kind of surprisingly, and, and, you know, seeing all these, all these one-year deals. now we kind of thought there'd be some one-year, a lot of one-year deals this year, right? So this mm-hmm. is an interesting year because a lot of players are going to need to prove themselves for their next contract. And so, you know, if you think about the Phillies bullpen, how much of it in terms of the vets are kind of on these one-year deals? I mean, even. You know, they, they don't have to commit to Neris even behind this beyond this year. Kinsler's one year when he mm-hmm. makes the team. Uh, you know, Archie Bradley was a one year deal. So um, it's amazing, too, that they that of all, all the all the moves the Phillies made this year, um, they really didn't sacrifice anything for the future. Right. You know, they didn't have to give up any draft picks. Right. Anything just kind of cost the money. By the way, are you surprised that the Phillies spent this much money? Um, No. I'm not surprised they spent this much money. Um, look, I think they got a deal, right? Because in some regards, we went into the offseason thinking that there was a chance that JT Real Muto would cost them almost $28 million a year, and they may not make that. And instead, they brought him back at, what, 21, right? It was it 23.1. So 23. And then to get Didi kind of at a bargain at 14 – that right there is, you know, 23, 37 million right there, which is only 9 million less than you thought you were just be giving to one player. Um, so 37 million. And how much came off the books when, when Arietta? Well, that was 25 expired. average annual. Yeah. 25. So. so you're only at that point, you're bringing in two players, losing one, and it's only plus 12 million. Right. So that's pretty good. It gave them flexibility. Again, the only surprise to me is that they spent $10 million on two guys, two pitchers <laughs> who stink. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe I'm being too harsh with Velasquez on stink, but who are very limited. I'm not being harsh on Neris on that. Um, they're just very limited. So that I don't understand, but they really did shore up what they needed to shore up. I mean, they, you can't say they didn't make moves in the bullpen. Ideally, some of these guys can work out. I would have liked a better number three starter than Eflin, but I knew they weren't going to be in the Bauer sweepstakes with the price tag that he was going to command. Was there another pitcher who signed like who's who's equivalent to a a three that probably could have used that ten million and then a little more on? I'm trying maybe, to think because maybe it, James Paxton. You know what? That's the name that I meant to to write down and talk about. I'm 8. a yes. five. Yeah, so I, mean, I would rather have James Paxton at eight point five than both um, Neris and and Velasquez. And then then that eliminates the need for more. Then you've got some money for the bullpen still. So right. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little surprised about that. So I don't know what the, the situation was there. But other than that, there weren't a whole lot of guys that, you know, number three type guys that moved. I kind of like Jake Odorizzi. I thought he might be somebody, but he's still out there, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I mean, See, I, don't, I don't think guy. they're in yeah. on him now. But, uh, you know, I think I, I would think the I mean, what do you think? The Phillies are done. The Phillies pretty much done. Well, I mean, point. don't they have to be because they're right up at the at the lug, at the yeah. salary cap number, right? Yeah, they're really right or up against the tax cap. number, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you were to sign an Odorizzi, uh right now, you would probably have to flip a couple of guys. <laughs> I don't like a. I don't think you're flipping Neris to anybody, and I don't know if you're flipping Velasquez. Well, maybe Velasquez, but you would have to make some moves there. 
Yeah, Taiwan Walker, another name that's out there. I liked him. Yeah, I, he I, signed, I, I thought. Um, I don't believe so. The Mets were looking at him, so that's right. Uh, he could end up with the Mets, but uh, but yeah, it's it's um, just I'm just checking the latest like MLB trade rumors because I want to make sure that <laughs> I'm not missing anybody in the last few hours, right? Odorizzi is perplexing because for the last few years, and by the way, I I covered him when he was a Wilmington Blue Rock. Oh, get out! When it, yeah, <laughs> when he was a um, was a Royals, uh, I believe. Prospect, right? to the Rays, right? Yeah, he was a number one pick, but you could tell. Like, he was a crafty pitcher, but he wasn't going to th- blow you away with, uh, you know, upper 90s type stuff. And, and every once in a while in the minors, you would, you know, leave a few few, uh, few pitches hanging and get, and get rocked. You know, when I covered him, he, he, would get, he got hit up a little bit. But he didn't really seem to flourish until later in his career. You know, he had that year two years ago with the Twins where he was an all-star and he was at 3-5. And, you know, he had that year with the Rays where he made 28 starts. I'm sorry, 33 stars and like a three, six, nine. He's always been a decent guy, but he's, he's in that three, five to four range, which is a perfect number three um, for the, for the Phillies. I, I really wish that they had that $10 million to throw at him. By the way, speaking of the blue rocks, since you brought them up, they are now a class, a Washington nationals affiliate. And yep. you can watch the Jersey shore blue claws, the Phillies affiliate play there now. So that's, that's uh, something for Phillies fans, right? They can actually head down to Wilmington and, and sure. I, I never liked. I never liked that it was a Royals affiliate of all teams. You know, it's like like it's very the, weird. Nobody has any interest in the Royals. <laughs> well, then then the worst part is after that they became a Red Sox affiliate for like three years, and mm. it's like nobody in Philly likes the Red Sox, and they hate the Red. In fact, that wound up being like the rivalry series for the Philly. So, um, but it it was cool because guys like Johnny Damon came through there, Mike and, Sweeney, um, who was a later Mike's, Philly. Yeah, he came through there. I'm trying. There's another good Red Sox who is known for being mercurial I, I i forget who oh um he then went to the yankees uh, uh ellsbury oh yeah, ellsbury yeah, yeah came through there well, about that but uh but I, you remember the royals were like the expos at, at one point as far as being a farm system for the rest of the uh mm. major league so johnny damon came through there uh, yeah. a couple other big names who wound up playing better somewhere else because the royals would have to trade all their their prospects away uh as they rebuilt so, but no, yeah. And, but, and, and the team that I cut my teeth as a sports writer covering, which is the Somerset Patriots, that was my first oh, yeah. sports writing gig for a newspaper. They're now a double A affiliate of the Yankees. So, and they were no one saw that coming. By the way, um, just, just a side note, since you mentioned the double A Yankees, uh, they were most recently in Trenton, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Trenton's hitting coach when they played their last game, Ken Joyce, um, he's agreed to come on and chat with us. Uh, he was one of the, be- the uh, hitting coaches that, uh, kind of gotten squeezed you know with all the contraction of the minor leagues um awesome. and, he, and he's oh, told not me, awesome for that but i'm glad yeah he's, coming he's, on he's told me he'd love to come on sometime so uh Great. so we'll get to hear a little bit about what that minor league uh shift was like uh from from a hitting coach and and ken joyce actually was on the major league staff for the marlins once upon a time um i think it was under jim leland uh he was uh, a hitting coach hmm. there too so um so yeah so so uh but that was a definite sh- surprise uh, in fact even the the trenton thunder were surprised when that happened uh, <laughs> would have loved to have seen the phillies re- relocate their class a team there but uh um but but they uh they have a nice thing going up in um lakewood new jersey now although they call themselves the jersey shore blue claws this year but uh it's worth a trip you know i mean it feels like during yankee Beautiful stadium pitch, What's upon it is, and actually, it's kind of kind of the field itself is modeled after um, Philly's spring training ballpark in uh, <laughs> in Clearwater, uh, you know, so that they uh, um, so that the players could make the the jump. And now, now this year it'll be the opposite jump. They're gonna the lower level will be at Clearwater, and then they'll they'll move up, and then they go from Jersey Shore to uh, 
to Reading. So it'll be nice right. to be easier for fans to kind of keep up with some of the uh, lower level prospects this year. And um, although, but it is kind of Yankees territory. That's the one knock I get from that. But uh, well, and it's also, yeah, I mean, if you're in Lakewood, you're really not at the shore. I mean, it's not, it's not yeah, what you, you think. It's more inland. River, basically. And, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, when I was up there, just, just uh, a quick aside, when, when Ryan Howard was rehabbing there in 2012, I took the trip up to take pictures for the website and stuff like that. And, um, and so I was, uh, down getting some pictures and, uh, this, this guy who's like sitting on the dugout, he says to me, um, oh yeah, I'm a season ticket holder, blah, 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 blah. And then Mickey Mordini was the manager that year. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm taking some pictures of Mickey. And then wouldn't you know, this guy says to me, who just told me he was a season ticket holder. Who's that? (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> like why are you taking a picture of that guy i'm like are you, are you, are you? he's just the manager and you know <laughs> was on the 93 world series team and you know. so clearly not philly's country up there but uh but no. <laughs> uh, but it is a nice place i do recommend you take the trip uh sometime and plan to go to tom's river while you're there or something and uh you know like uh what's what's the name of the local shore there why am i drawing a blank uh, seaside Heights, yeah, Delmar, all that's all that's Point up Pleasant, that LBI. I mean, yeah, LBI. Yeah. That's what I couldn't think of. So, so yeah. lots of options there for you to 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 catch a game and then go to the actual shore afterwards. But well, this will be a long season. We'll be with you throughout the season. Uh, and uh, if there's any more major news, I'm sure we'll be around to cover it. Uh, I've got my my flights uh, all booked to, to Clearwater. I'm looking forward to going there. Um, that won't interrupt our podcasting, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, um, but there's there's baseball back, Jeff. There is. I can't wait, man. I'm always get fired up this time of the year. So, well, listen, everybody, stay safe. It's great to talk to you. Talking baseball with you again, and we'll do so again soon for the Powder Blue Podcast. I'm Frank Close, along with Jeff Mosher. We will catch you next time. <laughs>